This episode of Lord of the Rigs is brought to you by FreightPath, the better way to grow your trucking company. Get started today at FreightPath.io. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Terry and I'm back with another episode of Lord of the Rigs, the podcast where we break down freight tech one buzzword at a time. Today, we'll be discussing technological and communication standards in the transportation industry, where they were, where they are, and where they're going, with Brian Glick, founder and CEO of Chain.io. Well, welcome to the show, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so how's Chain.io coming along? Oh, we're doing uh, we're doing fantastic. It's uh, you know exciting for us. Sort of the fourth quarter and first quarter when we get to deal with all of the exciting we we uh, end of the year projects and then oh we just got our budget and beginning of the year projects. So uh, it's a good time for us. Oh really? Beginning yeah. of the year already started for you guys? Well, we you know it's um, you know we pick up. We get a lot of clients who, being in the integration business, who will come to us in October, November with uh, sort of the same story of we promised something last spring to our customer and we forgot to mention it and can you get it done next week? And then uh, right after Christmas, we start getting the, okay, we got our 2020 uh, budget approved and let's get all those projects done next week and be done with it. And so we do a lot of lot of exciting sort of creative account, uh, creative management around that uh, this time of year. Yeah, so. I don't miss that part. I don't miss that part of the job at all. I hate dealing with like end of quarter. It's like the worst. Yeah, you know, it's um, the fun part is being an in integration. Um, you know, the those projects where you have to be creative are often the most exciting ones because you get to you get to really dust off some of the some of the some of that positive energy and uh, figure out how to how to turn turn um, turn something into a success. So the ones in the middle of the year tend to be a little bit more mundane. So I, I actually look forward to this time of year. You to say towards things. Well, before we get too far into it, why don't you give me a little bit of a background about what you're doing and what Chain IO is Chain.io is doing? Sure. So, um, my background. This is uh, my 20th year in the logistics and supply chain industry. So, uh, a little bit of a banner year for me, I think. Uh, when I got into the business, I, I literally said out loud to someone, "I'm going to do this for three months, and then I'm going to find something more interesting." And uh, 20 years later, I still haven't found anything more interesting. So, uh, I guess I'm at this point. I probably have to admit that I'm staying. Uh, but. Over the course of, say, the first 15 years of that journey, uh, worked in a lot of uh, 3PLs and a lot of different uh, software companies, uh, things in the space, and really got frustrated with how hard it is for companies to work together, uh, whether that's two software companies who might be competitors in one space but have a common customer, whether that's a freight company trying to integrate to uh, a shipper who doesn't have any IT resources. Uh, and as I saw the growth of SaaS companies and realized that the world of a company having one TMS is not is not really going to be the reali realistic world of the future, where you, you know a company might have twenty or thirty different SaaS companies involved uh, in their in their ecosystem, that that problem is only going to get worse. So we sort of got out ahead of it and started building this neutral platform that allows uh, software companies to connect to us, uh, shippers and forwarders and brokers and all of the different players, warehouse 
warehousing providers uh, to connect their software to us once. And then when they have multiple trading partners on various different systems, we're able to um, make those connections a lot easier than every time you get a new customer having to go do a big professional services project that, that, uh, that's just irritating for everyone in the industry. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like I know we deal with that quite a bit here at TradePath, where mm -hmm. we come in because we're on the TMS side almost exclusively, and then we find out that these shippers have been dealing with the WS WMS problem for like the last year, and now we have to integrate with that, and now take another thirteen months of a pilot project, and soon enough this whole project has gone off the charts. Yeah, and, and one of the things that I focus on there is from a sales perspective, which is really where we come at this is really from a sales first and technology second for our customers, is when you when you sign a customer as a software company, there's uh, sort of this expression, sort of time to joy, which is from the moment they decide that they want to buy from you, how long is it until that individual has a moment where they kind of go wow and you know are happy with your software? And if there was no integration, most companies can get your time to joy down to, you know, somewhere between a day and a month, uh, you know, to see that first shipment. When there's integration, sometimes that's a year, right? Yeah. Like you just said. And only bad things can happen in that year. No customer gets happier during that journey, right? Oh, so we really focus on shrinking that down. And it's the same It's the same for forwarders, right? So they get a shipper and say, hey, I want to, you know, handle your freight. If it takes eight months to get that IT up and running, that shipper, that, that you know, freight manager or import manager, whatever their role is in that company, they're never getting happier during those eight months. So, so really our mission is to, is to make that time to joy uh, shorter for our customers. See, that puts it in a way easier to understand, like, like both from me coming at it from a technology perspective and from just like a customer standpoint. Because that's, I think, the biggest challenge that everyone in the freight industry has, just implementation time and how long until the customers get what we promised them, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's never zero, right? And and we never claim that, you know, anything in this industry is is easy enough to be like magic, right? You can yeah. you can go on something like Zapier uh, as a consumer and say, I want my Google Home device to, uh, you know, when I say these words, I want to get an email, right? That yeah. you can do it. That that's easy, right? When we're talking about taking, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals uh, off of a loading dock and you know tracking them through an airport and getting that pickup arranged and you know doing lot control that stuff's really actually pretty hard so you know when we're, when we're able to do that in weeks instead of months that's a huge win in this industry oh exactly any well any improvement in this industry is is monumental <laughs> honestly yeah, you know, and one of the things one of the things I do think we do a little bit in this industry too much is is sort of, um, you know, pardon the language, but crap on ourselves. I mean, yeah, we, we've got a ways to go, but if I look at where it was, you know, when I started in this industry, one of the big first projects I worked on was buying a scanner so that we didn't have to ship literally banker's boxes, you know, four foot long, three foot long boxes of paper back to Scandinavia 
every day for customers that for paper companies that we were doing imports it was it was it was the, the ultimate irony was we were shipping paper back to document their paper imports into the United States oh, you know so like you don't really see as many companies nowadays literally mailing boxes of paper between offices so we have come a long way but there's yeah. certainly uh, certainly always room for growth well, 100%. I think, well, honestly, from my perspective, I'm, I don't think I'm old enough to remember even what bankers' boxes look like. Yeah, go, so go to any customs broker's office. You'll still probably see them, but they're these just, you would have like a wall, and the wall looked like filing cabinets, but they were, it was floor to ceiling, and it was just uh, just these pull-out dr cardboard drawers full of customs files. And then that was only usually like the last three or four weeks worth of them and then you would have a truck come up from a, from Iron Mountain and uh, and they would take those all away because you had to store them for seven years and then you'd fill that wall back up over the next month and then the, the driver would come back and you'd unload all those and then God forbid a customs calls and says I need an entry from eight months ago you had to send somebody you had to make a call down to the warehouse and get the paper pulled Oh, right. Man. So, so from that point, we've come a long way. Okay. Yeah. See, digital warehousing is has come a long way from that. Clearly. Yes. Clearly. Yes. Yeah. So that feeds right into what I was about to ask. I was going to say, like, how has communication changed in the last twenty years? But clearly, it's changed uh, more than I anticipated. Yeah. I mean, it's so. It's interesting. The the thing. So yeah, the the speed at which we can exchange information has gotten a lot faster, right? And you know, another early job I had was going in at seven a.m. and literally dialing a phone and plugging it into the computer every morning to send a report to a customer. So you know, that's you know, we, you don't see so much of that anymore. And the ability to take essentially the same data and exchange it faster, you know, between the internet and not being on you know direct connections with customers and and being able to do things over the web you know that's all gotten a lot better what's really exciting for me is that you know with the advent of, of APIs we're now exchanging different kinds of information so the idea of location data right whether that's location data inside a facility you know with RFID or ELD devices on trucks um, or whether it's you know there, there's data in the world now that didn't exist 20 years ago and it's so much more granular and I still think we're trying to figure out as an industry what to do with all that data. Um, but it is that's really exciting for me for the next few years is sort of what's the business application of all of this extra information that we have now. You know, a lot of what we've done over the last couple of decades has been take basically the same concept of a bill of lading and a purchase or, and a purchase order and a POD and just make it more efficient. Now we're doing net new things and that's really cool like that gets me excited yeah so what kind of new things well you know i mean new things like you know there was you know just think about the technology that has to go into the fact that when i get a e-commerce delivery now you know it used to be exciting that they could give you an estimated delivery date like there was a time when that was exciting but the idea that now i can see the driver and how many stops are left on an app on my phone so that i know i mean i live in a walk-up apartment and i know when i need to walk downstairs to meet him so that so that driver doesn't end up just dropping the thing on the stoop and, and running away 
um, you know, living in the city, that's a big deal for us, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. um, you know, that, that package isn't going to last long on that stoop. So, um, you know, the, you know the, the technology that enables that and the amount of data that has to move between different places, that's net new information, right? So, you know, anything that involves Internet of Things or, you know, when we work with our pharmaceutical customers and talk about things like real-time temperature data coming off of sensors, right? That's that's just amazing to me. Yeah. See, so. the thing is, we've been dealing with that quite a bit just with our own IoT solutions as well as, like you said, just tracking. Like, even for, like, simple driver dispatching, you get a ton of this data that I think even five years ago you wouldn't have imagined you had to deal with. And the warehousing for all of it is... I think going to be a huge challenge moving forward to how to communicate that between all your different partners. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And you know, we all have to remember that you can't necessarily drag every software company or every logistics company along at the same pace, yeah. right? And and so as an integration company, one of the things we're very empathetic to is that a lot of our partners maybe don't have the resources to go do a blockchain project or to reinvent an EDI platform as an API-based platform. So this idea that we might take an API call in from a device and turn that into a legacy EDI message so that that TMS can still handle uh, you know, an expectation of getting a, an EDI 214 status message, you know, you know so that that moving between generations is really important at this phase because you know it's not realistic or reasonable to think that we're all just going to take all of these systems we have and either a throw them away or b immediately update everything to the same level well yeah see that's the big challenge i think for the last for the last long while in this industry at least there's that gradual shift from edi to api but mm -hmm. it's clearly not evenly distributed. Like, I don't think I've met one shipper or one carrier even that exclusively uses one or the other. It's literally piecemeal, like, across their entire operations. Like, when do you think we can get some semblance of, like, uh, what do you call it? Some semblance of consistency across the industry. Well... I would say, uh, well, I, the way I look at that is, you know, I've sat down with clients who have said, we have three integration platforms. This is a true story. And they said, one of them is 40 years old. One of them is 20 years old. One is 10 and one we bought last week, right? They have so four integration platforms, actually. And they still haven't shut down the oldest one, right? Because they have customers that are still running on those integrations that are 20 or 30 years old. And that's how long relationships last in this industry, you know, when you're doing it right and when you're a good service provider. So, um, you know, when I look at it in that context, I think the answer to your question really is never, right? There's no such thing as parity. We're not a regulated industry. Uh, there's nobody who's going to say, you know, everyone must be on, you know, version X of Y by such and such a date it's not it's not a thing that will happen so people are going to move at their own pace and I think with the probably the exciting thing with the, with the advances in APIs is not so much that we're going to get everybody on one API but that it is less work to be adaptable nowadays right definitely that's definitely um, I haven't really thought about it like that that's actually a pretty interesting way to put it so you're th you're saying that we're just moving into we're becoming better at becoming flexible rather than forcing everybody to go on the same standard. 
Yeah, and that's really our, you know, there's, there's a big debate, right, as to whether there should be API standards, yeah. whether there should be EDI for API. Um, and I tend to lean towards the, lean, and I'm, even I have this debate with myself, but, you know, I tend to lean against it, against this idea. You know, I think there should be some level of standards or maybe standards within certain verticals, right? Like in pharmaceutical, it's a, extremely important that there's data standards there, um, you know, and, you know, hazmat and things like that. But in the large, uh, you know, one of the problems with standards is they do sort of stifle innovation a little bit. And I think this is all still so young that I don't know that that we're ready as an industry to set those standards. And I also don't know that it's as important because back when we, when EDI started, you know, implementing an EDI project might have cost you $10 million, right? For a big yeah. automotive company. These APIs are not that expensive to build and adjust. And the ben the co sort of cost benefit ratio of establishing those standards is, is a different piece of math than it used to be. Yeah, definitely, so. definitely. I honestly can't disagree with any of that. So, you guys are pretty new into the space, right? Uh, yeah, so as a company, we're three years old. Yeah. And we all sort of, <laughs> we're all older than that, though, as, as, yeah. uh, as a team, right? And we bring a lot of that domain space. Uh, you know, being young has been a really big advantage for us, only in the sense that we don't have any legacy technology in our environment. So it lets us move very fast and be very um, agile with, you know, sort of the other set of buzzwords, which are not the, not the technology, or the uh, freight buzzwords, but the tech ones, things like serverless and, uh, microservices and all these sort of nerd out terms that really come down to time to delivery and the ability to build very very quickly oh definitely have you have you encountered any type of resistance because you guys are so new um you know it's funny you, know, you never really know because we may have lost some sales right exactly. that i don't know about uh, what i will say is that you know when we sit down with a client in a, from a sales perspective, whether it's myself having you know industry experience on the 3PL side, or you know our head of integration ran all the EDI for one of the largest global apparel companies, you know for many years, or you know our head of sales having you know worked in some of the largest TMSs, that you know we're able to establish a lot of credibility right up front, and you know we've done the jobs in the industry, and you know when we sit down with an operator or, you know, at a, at a desk level and say, you know, we understand that if someone sends you a, you know, a 600 line shipment because it's at the purchase order level and they're just missing one field at the header, it's not that big a deal. But if they're missing one field at the line level, it's a massive deal because you got to go touch those 600 lines, you know, kind of being able to understand and, and really connect with our clients because we know the business and we know, you know, this is this, these, those two things sound very similar. We're missing one field, but they mean completely different things to that person's day-to-day -day life. Oh, that yeah. gets us past that conversation quite a bit because, you know, having empathy and really understanding not just from our customer's perspective, but from their trading partner's perspective and trying to create those win-wins, that comes from a lot of domain knowledge and a lot of 
you know, experience in the trenches. And really, I think more than the, the length of the company existing, that's what people need to know is, you know, need to feel comfortable with is that you're going to be with them. You're going to be there with them for the long term and understand their pain. Yeah, exactly. And I guess you guys have the, both, the best of both worlds. Like you guys have the experience of like a 20, 30 year company. And you guys have the new factor and the flexibility of a company that's three years old, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice spot to be in. Uh, you know, there's stresses that come with with being a young company. I'm not gonna not gonna gloss over that. You know, the me- the mental health aspect of a young company is uh, is is not always the easiest thing in the world. But yeah, having that. I don't think in our, you know, there are spots in this industry where being just a completely disruptive person from the outside can be very valuable. You know, when you're looking at a narrow transaction, right? So you're looking at something like the finance side of it. It's pretty, you know, it's, it's, you can grasp that and you can come in and you can be disruptive. When you're talking about integration, it's all about the fact that everyone on both sides of the transaction through no fault of their own is giving you generally bad information or or has a misunderstanding of how things are connected so it's really an area where you can't just come in from the outside and um you know the sort of the parallel is we a lot of people ask us to go to you know talk about projects in healthcare or in fintech because they say oh we've got this growing integration platform can we apply it to this other area and i said we really can't because we don't know those businesses, right? And we can't yeah. we can't bring any more value than an off-the-shelf mapping software would because I don't know, you know, I can't read my own doctor's bill here in the states. Um, you know, like they're they're just insane, right? And exactly. so I'm not going to be able to sit down with two medical companies and 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 make that integration happen without staffing equivalent people with that much domain space in that area. So, you know, so yeah, so that's sort of that that double-edged sword of you really do have to have that domain space knowledge yeah, so i guess like have like each vertical is very very specific and even more so than it is usually right yeah i mean and there's sort of the big three for integration which are finance and healthcare and logistics right yeah. and you know we are one of the especially because we look at the whole supply chain from really from purchase order initiation from a uh, retailer manufacturing all the way through the the end of the financial transactions uh not just the transportation side um you know it's a massive industry and there's just so much so much domain space and you know we had a new developer start a couple weeks ago and i just took him down the rabbit hole of just to do something like you know slotting uh, you know in a warehouse or you know assigning a tariff number from an international just how deep each one of those things goes so like the whole domain space of it is just it's so massive that you know he the developer asked me he said at what point will I be comfortable will he be comfortable with the domain right so that he can just sit down and program and I told him I'd let him know when I got comfortable with it because I'm still not there in the 20 years (laughs) in because it's that big and it's that deep and it changes and regulations and you know are always shifting in trade wars and all of this stuff so you know it's just such a big industry we're in well, yeah, like I don't think you quite ever understand like exactly the breadth of it until you're neck deep in it already, right? Yeah, and even then, I mean, it's what you understood yesterday is going to change tomorrow. Exactly. It's, <laughs> so. it's, never, it's never the same. Yeah, but speaking about that, if there's one thing you wanted someone to take away from this podcast, what would that be? You know, the, the, the thing that 
has been on my mind the most lately um, has really been business process. Um, As an industry, you know, and I I talked about this a little bit at at the LogTech conference as well uh, from the Journal of Commerce, but as an industry, we're really fascinated by the new tech right now. And at the end of the day, it's the business processes that matter and the tech is an enabler and there's been uh, you know a lot over the last two years of blockchain api um you know edi whatever it is that these iot eld these these technologies leading the conversation and then they so you start with that word and then you say okay how are we going to use this the reverse of that is such a more valuable way to attack a problem, which is to say, I'm not getting paid by my supplier fast enough. What of these technologies can make that problem, you know, I'm a trucker and I need to get paid faster. Yeah. You know, then say, okay, do I need blockchain or APIs or none of that, right? Do I just need exactly. to renegotiate my contract terms? Right. Exactly. So I, I sat at one of the first bit of meetings on blockchain and trucking and one of the things they talked about was out, you know, days outstanding and collectibles and somebody actually raised their hand in the meeting and said, Hey, you know, we are the we're paying you and and we have 45-day terms from you. And if you add new technology, we're still going to have 45-day terms because we like 45-day terms, right? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, you put an API in, you know, we're still not going to pay you any faster, right? So focusing on the business problem first, you could save millions of dollars and years of people's lives building things that are misaligned because you didn't think about the business first and the tech second. Yeah. I, I think that, that that's an amazing note to end on, honestly. Like that I'm gonna be thinking about that for a little while about how I design everything and how I sell everything. Because that's important. I think sometimes you get so lost in what we're building that we forget exactly who we're building it for, right? And I think Yep. And I think that's what it comes down to, remembering why we're building the things that we're building instead of focusing on what we're building. Cool. Yeah, no, absolutely, totally agree. Yeah. So. But either way, it was it was great speaking with you today, Brian. It was uh, happy to be here, and uh, you know, anybody having trouble with any of this, check us out at chain.io on the web. So. Definitely, definitely. All right. Have a great rest of the day, Brian. All right. Thank again. Thanks again for having me. <laughs> no problem. Bye. Remember to subscribe and join us next week on Lord of the Rigs when we discuss the evolution of the TMS industry from large-scale ERPs to modern flexible solutions. Until next time, peace.